Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.fm. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us, we'll give you the first 30 days no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at OneStop.fm. Let's talk about your SaaS MVP project today. We have David Perry, co-founder of Carl. David Perry is the CEO of a new kind of e-commerce partnership network that over 30,000 Shopify brands have joined. Before Carol, Sony PlayStation acquired Perry's last company, Gaikai, to establish leadership in the future of streaming video games from the cloud. This service is now called uh, PlayStation Now. Perry remains one of the best-known video game industry veterans with multiple number one hits. Today, we'll discuss with David his views on the gaming industry, how he's able to build such successful games, and his transition into um, e-commerce space. How are you today, David? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward yeah, to the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Me too. So, um, tell me, um, first of all, um, what exactly... What problem Caro solves for your customers? Well, the thing that we um, uh, we realized is there's there's kind of three needs that companies have. The first one is attention. Um, I don't think I've ever met a company that's like, please, no more attention. You know, <laughs> enough is enough. Yeah, like, yeah. They 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 just can't get enough, and they're buying Google clicks. It's kind of funny because you know you have all these um, different brands in the same category, like maybe you sell helmets or something like that, and you're all buying the same clicks over and over and over and over, and it's such an expensive way to do it. So our thought process was, is there some way we could, um, you, know, you know, who has an abundance of attention, I guess? And, and what happened is after I sold my company to PlayStation, I ended up um, building this ridiculously cool man cave, and one of the things I had in there was a photo studio, and I found that no one cared about my pictures, Unless I took pictures of social media influencers, when you take a picture of an influencer, you know, people go crazy because they want to marry this person and meet this person. They love this person. Um, but what I realized is that these, these people, and quite, they were friends of my daughter, for example, and, and they, some would come over and they tend to travel in groups. Um, and they'd be in my studio and I'd look at them and go, well, there's 15 million followers worth of people in my studio right now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I never really thought about 15 million people, never really really tried to process what that is. And then I went to um, uh, an Ed Sheeran concert at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking around at these little tiny people and I'm like, there's only 60,000 or so here, maybe 70,000. Mm -hmm. They have 15 million that they talk to daily. That's insane. Like that's so many people. And so whenever you, you sort of um, realize that, then you go, well, is there some way we could I guess what I was doing was because they, their defenses were down to some extent. And I was asking them, what's it like to be an influencer? And they would say, it's great, but 
I wish I could work with the brands that I actually like. So they're constantly being sort of harassed by, by random brands from all over the world saying, please promote my candles mm -hmm. or, or tell everyone my soap is the best soap. And, and they don't use this soap. They don't ever use candles. And yet they don't, they feel fake if they try to present that to their audience. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a great, it's not a great situation. So my first introduction to this was, is there some way we could help with that? Is there some way we could help, um, you know, using data and, and, and uh, you know, uh, a data science team? Could we start to try to work out which influencers like which brands? And that's exactly what we did. So we, we created this technology that would work out um, of the influencers out there, which ones um, seem to really like your brand. And then we pair them up to the brand. And you can imagine the response is like, oh my God, the influencer would be like, oh my God, I love your brand. I've been buying your products for years. So the next thing we built was a way for the, pro for the brands to be able to distribute their products to those influencers, which would basically be, the messaging would be very simple. Please stop buying our products. Here's a link and you can shop for free. And of course that makes the influencers incredibly happy. Um, we're built into over 8,000 homepages now. Um, handling that process of letting influencers request products for free and the, the the net result of that is you're then getting you're able to in an effortless way test influencers and see which ones you like the best and then lean in and do some kind of deal with them and the twist to this is we don't even charge for this the whole thing is free so that is um that was the, this concept of attention but then covid hit mm -hmm. and we realized you know it was it, it was uh, it was basically battle time because the, the the retail stores just shut down, and they returned a lot of, of stock back to the brands, and the brands were, needed to get their e-commerce strategy down fast. Yeah. And so we sort of thought, well, what could we do to help with sales? And we looked at this network that we have, and um, with the brands that are installed um, uh, that have installed Caro into their Shopify stores, mm -hmm. together they have three hundred and forty million visitors a month and we were like hmm, that's a lot of people 340 million a month yeah why don't we find a way for them to work with each other and share that traffic instead of all having to go get more traffic how about we share that and try to increase their sales and so the way we did that was we would say to a bicycle an online bicycle company you know do you um we, we notice you don't sell helmets are you sure you want people to buy your bike and then go to amazon looking for helmets why don't you sell helmets we have loads of helmet companies. Mm. Why don't you choose one that you like and we'll just take their metadata, so their actual, you know, everything related to their helmets and just put it into your store. Mm. You don't have to buy any inventory. You don't have to put anything in your warehouse, but basically their inventory becomes your inventory mm. and now you suddenly got helmets. Okay. When you think about that, you can then um, expand the store really, really quickly. Okay. So so that is quite a lot of information, but so if I'm to, to, to sort of extract what Caro actually does, it's it matches influencers with brands that they want to work with, essentially. Is that correct? That's that's like, yeah, the first, that's like your, your appetizer when you sit down at the table, yes. Okay, so the, so it sounds like the influencers are not your actual customer, but the, the brands are, and so you're, you're yeah. so the brands are, are able to go out and find the right influencers. Is that correct? Well, we find brands that have 7,000 influencers that have actually bought their products. Ah, okay. So, okay. I see. So, so, so from why that, not work with okay, them? From, yeah. I, I say, I understand exactly. So 
So you understand which influencers have bought their products and say, okay, these guys are already a customer. Um, so yeah. we'll go out and, and pitch them because they already know, know our product and they like it. That's, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Today they, they go on Instagram and they start searching for people, yeah. trying to find an influencer. It's like, you've already got 7,000. Yeah. How many more do you that's need? That's right. Okay. You know, that start totally there. makes sense. Okay. So, okay. So that's, that's that part. So if you think about Cairo as a suite of tools that, that all together give multiple different ways to grow a brand, but, okay. but um, it starts with that. And then adding the ability to cross sell and partner with other brands is another piece of the puzzle. Okay. All right. Um, okay. And we just keep adding feature after feature based upon what brands need. Okay. And that's okay. how we keep raising the boats. So let me start with um, the sale of Gaikai. It sounds like you probably did pretty well with that. Is that right? Yeah, it was, um, it was a really exciting situation because um, when you're in business, you, you, it's very common to have competitors. And I had about 30 different companies that were coming after us. Uh -huh. And, you know, and they would all tell you they're doing exactly the same thing as we're doing because that's what they do. And the reality is it's like playing chess with 30 different companies at the same time, trying to make sure what you're doing is is perceived as being, you know, the best or the or the tip of the spear or you're, you're innovating faster than others. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it's, uh, it's quite high pressure. It was a very, very high pressure situation. But what we, our vision was this idea that, everything in the world is streaming except for video games. So when you watch TV, you know, people used to buy TV shows on VHS tapes and stack them up against the wall, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. now and put them on shelves. And then they move to laser discs and stuff. But nowadays you just don't, you, I mean, everything you want is available um, Stream, streamed. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you were one of movies, the first streaming, TV shows. were you the, one of the first streaming platforms then for games? Yeah, so the, so the concept was... Was it a game or was it a um, platform? It was a platform, so we actually built the technology. Okay. We got two Guinness World Records for the network that we built. And the, the problem is it needed to be a very high performance network to allow, imagine the video game console is in the cloud, so you don't need any console anymore. Mm. It, the games just run in the cloud. Yeah. And the experience is being you know, ridiculously fast. The experience is being sent to whatever device you're on. And so we had demonstrations on Facebook of people playing a super high-end 3D game like Crisis from Electronic Arts. Mm -hmm. They would play it, you know, just by clicking a button, it just appeared in Facebook. And they're playing on a laptop that's absolutely incapable of playing that game. Yeah. Because it's some old junky laptop. Yeah, yeah. And we'd see them tweeting like, what is this magic? How is this possible? Yeah. And the answer is because it's not running on, on your, your device. Your, it's running uh, in the cloud. I see. Okay, yeah. And so, so as long as they have so a fast so internet have, connection, it was fine. Yeah, so our, our vision was everything, everywhere, instantly for games. So, okay. so the idea, and, and what happened was investors got very excited when they went, well, why are you stopping at games? Um, I remember pitching Intel, Intel invested, mm -hmm. and um, the executives at Intel, I, I was showing them you know, World of Warcraft in a browser and Call of Duty in a browser, and, uh, and I thought that was very impressive, but they weren't interested at all. They just didn't care. Um, and then I, I showed them PowerPoint, in a browser, like the full PowerPoint. And this was around the time when Google Docs was really getting going. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't it wasn't as full-featured as PowerPoint, and it literally caused them to freak out. They're like, this is the future. Yeah. So the idea okay. of being able to use any software anywhere instantly is kind of cool. Yeah. So we ended up um, working with Adobe to put Photoshop on Adobe.com. You could click a button and just instantly uh -huh. be in Photoshop. Yeah. 
And that, that's the kind of thing that tech can do as well. Okay. So this is all Gaikai. You're saying this is the platform. Yeah. So, so um, when did you sell that? That was in 2012 we sold that. Okay. And, um, and then I, I um, th there's a thing that happens whenever you sell a company, you're expected to stick around. Um, usually you're asked to stick around for three years. Okay. Uh, so that's what you your did. Burnout yeah, period. Burnout, yeah. Um, I actually, to be honest, I really enjoyed being at Sony yeah. um, and sort of learning the inside of how consoles are made. And I found it fascinating. And I ended up staying five years at Sony. Okay. Um, and after, after that, then I almost immediately moved over to um, to jump into e-commerce. Okay, so uh, I like to talk about that transition because you had so much experience in games. Um, you, you're, you're, uh, you obviously knew that you had tons of contacts in the gaming world. Um, what, what made you leave, decide to, to get into e-commerce? What happened was when I was building this super mega man cave, I was buying lots of photography equipment and, and uh, woodworking tools uh -huh. and metalworking tools. And I realized that I was constantly going to YouTube and places like that to, to learn from experts okay. um, that have done this for 30 years. And I kept finding that I was, I was buying everything based on their recommendations. So you get some guy who's been you know, a super professional photographer uh -huh. goes, this is the best light. And then you buy one and it's like, this is a great light, right? And that's that's what I learned is, um, is I found myself, the influencers were influencing me every single day. This is and your so daughter's I, friends and stuff you're talking about when they came in. Well, that, that, that sort of led, yeah, that, that sort of led into this process. Um, gosh, there was, we had a dinner one time and there was this uh, friend of hers that, you know, had millions of followers and she was making, I don't know, twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month as a, as a, I think she was about 12 at the time. It's incredible. Um, and what, like when is incredible. this? When was this happen? It's like 2000, but again, 2016 this is about 2017. Or okay, 2017. 12 years old. Yeah. How, like, how do they get this? I mean, were brands coming to this 12 year old and, and mm -hmm. they were, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So what happened was she was going to, um, the, the, we had dinner and, she, and they, they showed me a video of a hotel room that, that uh, they went to some conference and, and when they went in their hotel room, it was completely filled with makeup everywhere. Every surface was covered in makeup, the bed, the, the, the shelves, the windowsills, everything was covered in makeup. And, and they filmed it because they thought that was funny. Yeah. But in reality, all of that stuff was just put in a trash can afterwards because uh, she doesn't even wear makeup. Yeah, she's so 12. it was a yeah. complete waste. But some marketing people have paid to dress that room. Yeah. Um, think thinking you know we're in because you know we filled her room with stuff it's not actually real yeah. it's not real and so the girl was sitting there with all her friends and she had this white backpack and, and one of the girls said oh I love your backpack and then she started gushing about the backpack I take this everywhere it's my absolute favorite isn't it great yeah. and 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 I'm thinking to myself that's, I want to be the backpack yeah. company yeah, that's right, I don't yeah. want to be the makeup yeah, company yeah. okay <laughs> that makes sense right. So that, so you recognize a huge opportunity from that. Yeah. How do, how do we connect the backpack company and the influencer was the question. One more example is there was a, an influencer whose name is Casey Neistat. And um, he was one of the most famous uh, YouTubers when it really got going. And Casey, um, he would make um, daily vlog videos. Mm -hmm. And one of them, he, he got on a flight. It was an Emirates Airlines flight. Mm -hmm. 
And he ended up, they, someone at the airport spotted him and said, you know, my God, that's Casey Neistat. And so the airline upgraded his ticket to first class. He then did a video on what it's like to travel first class with Emirates on Emirates Airlines. Yeah. It turns out he took a shower, an actual shower flying to, you know, I've never seen that before. Yeah. And that video went viral. And then the numbers that he ended up delivering for Emirates are around Super Bowl level numbers. So wow. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like the value is off the charts. It melted their brains. And then you say to yourself, well, what actually happened there was all that occurred is somebody pointed to him and said he's important. Yeah. And if, 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 um, if they hadn't have said that, they would have not had this ridiculous explosion of interest okay. um, for their airline. So in a way, that's what we're doing all day, every day. We've done it now seven and a half million times, uh, you know, um, pointing out to the, to the influencers that our brands should be paying attention to. Yeah. And, um, and so it's, it's basically that concept. Okay. All right. So that totally makes sense. Um, so you recognize this, you left Sony, um, like walk me through like sort of creating this platform. What was the core idea that that you that you feel like you needed to to solve? Well, um, again, the the main thing I think is to think about how you get more attention and sales. That's the most important two things to brands. Uh -huh. Is I want more people to become aware of my brand than I want more people buying my products, and um, they want as much of that as they possibly can, and. So the thought process was really, how could you go about doing that? One, one of the examples is the, the real truth of e-commerce is how much does it cost to get someone to come to your store? Mm. Um, and, and how much do they spend on average? Like if it costs you $10 to get them to come to your store and, the, and they spend $1, you're, 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 you're out of yeah. business, right? Yeah. Um, if, if they're, so the average order value becomes this sort of very important metric um, that determines whether, you're, number one, you're going to survive, and number two, if your average order size is actually quite high, you can then afford to, to spend even more to acquire customers, so you can get even more aggressive with marketing. Mm -hmm. And so you say to yourself, well, what, what makes up the average order value? And the answer is whatever you sell and whatever else you can sell. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people don't think that way. So I talk to brands all the time. You know, they make frozen baby food, but they 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 think they're in the frozen baby food business and that's all they sell and there's no thought of is there could there be anything else that they add to that sale um and so in a way they're holding down their average order value because they won't add anything else mm -hmm. but in their site they'll have you know beautiful pictures of babies with bibs and high chairs and all this stuff and you know you've got to imagine parents are looking going oh, i really like that bib yeah. and then they go off onto amazon to try yeah, to find yeah. a bib like so they, that yeah. uh, it's like sell the bib too i see it with food like you'll get a company that just sells spaghetti mm -hmm. they're in the spaghetti business yeah. that's great but on your website you have pictures of beautiful like um, recipes with with other things of course in in the recipe yeah. but also you've got you know nice cutlery and plates and napkins and all this other stuff People want to buy that that dinner. I want that experience for dinner tonight, not just the spaghetti, just spaghetti. in a box, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's it's making brands start to go, you know, what are we really like? We sell makeup. Um, I, I see this all the time. They'll sell makeup, but not brushes to put it yeah. on, and they think to themselves, "Well, we're not in the brush business." Yeah, but there's a partner in our network that can give you the brushes today, and now you can have that that additional sale, which increases your average order value, mm -hmm. and it, it just becomes 
a different way of thinking about who you are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you sell nail polish, do you, do you sell the remover? Oh, but I'm not in the remover business. Yeah. Well, you kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of are, and you should be. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can, of course, supply all those things. Okay. So, so the MVPs. It sounds like probably what you're doing is you're tapping into some customer that has probably a lot of data, and you're going through that data to find out who the influencers are. Is that was that was that the MVP? Well, well, that's that, that's the first thing we do just to, to help them gain more attention. But we, we also are trying to work out which products um, sell the best with other products. And, and that, that becomes a, an incredible feature, which we're just launching this week, by the way. Um, but the idea is that you can um, imagine you're, you know the way when you buy something in a store, it very commonly recommends something else. Mm -hmm. So it'll say to you, hey, um, you know, you're going to buy my electric toothbrush. Well, we also have electric shavers. And that it, when you try that, it actually won't convert. So that's not a good upsell. Uh -huh. um, so what, what could you add to an electric toothbrush that would sell? And again, that becomes a, a data science challenge. Um, and the answer is Kendall Jenner's toothpaste. Yeah. So Kendall Jenner's um, got a company called uh, Moon Oral Care. They're installed on our network. If you put their toothpaste with a new electric toothbrush, it's going to convert. That's a very interesting extra addition to the cart that people will be like, oh, I gotta try that. And they add it to their cart, boom, you've just got more um, additional revenue. Uh, your average order value just went up. Okay. So that, that's, that's, that's the real business of e-commerce is balancing you know, um, exactly uh, you know, how much value you have with a lifetime value with a customer and so we're very focused and understanding that and going after helping brands improve that. Okay. And so, so we're not some sort of crazy widget that makes your email pretty or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's like you're matching we're really yeah. getting down to brass tacks. What matters and what matters is, is, uh, is getting that AOV up. Right. So, um, so when, when you first came out though, I'm just trying to envision the product when it was first built. So what, I mean, what did you, you went out and raised money. You've got this idea. Yeah. You went out and raised money. Um, kind of walk me through the creation of the product because like, what were you actually pitching to the VCs or the, you know, your investors in the beginning? What was, what was the, the original core idea? Well, I, I was very interested in, um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm an engineer for, you know, from the beginning of, of my career, yeah. I, I used to actually program mm -hmm. and make the video games. Mm -hmm. So having a background in engineering makes me very interested in how things get built. And I didn't want to work with overseas teams. So part of the start of the company was, was building a team internally. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need that many people, but um, one tip is if you hire people from the game industry, they tend to be, um, I have this thing that I talk to employees about, which is, uh, is hurdle pointing. I'm not a fan of hurdle pointing. Have you ever been in a meeting and someone just keeps pointing at problems and hurdles and things that are in the way? Um, and and it, instead of jumping over them and getting on with it, they're like, oh, but here's a problem and here's another problem. I hate that. And so in the game industry, they live and die by innovation. If they're not innovating, then no one's going to want to play their game. Mm -hmm. And so they they have this constant pressure of you've got to keep your mind open, you've got to invent things, you've got to create things that have never been done before. And that's a really healthy engineer to have in your company. 
So, um, uh, you know, just you should give that a try. If anyone is gaming listening, that's a uh, gaming engineer. So that so even though you're going yeah. into e-commerce, um, you're developing something. What was the stack, by the way? Um, well, e-commerce is actually generally um, when you go onto a platform like Shopify, you're inside their ecosystem. Okay. So there are limitations to what you can do in uh -huh. there. But they actually then let you they, they do give you some some freedom to add other things, which, of course, we do. But if I was to show you our data, for example, we're we're looking at our data in 3D. So we have, you know, a 3D world with all of our brands and and all, you know, little little lines flying around showing orders happening in real time. Uh -huh. So we, we see things in in very advanced ways that that, that a normal typical business engineer would never have even gone down that road. There was no need for them to. Um, but with with uh, video game engineers, they tend to be, you know, of course you can do that. There's some way to do that. Hold on, let me work it yeah. out. And then so game, so you so you don't really so as long as they they have like extensive gaming industry, that's who you want to hire. Is is like a, some some. I love those people. Oh my god, I okay, love those people. gaming engineers, yeah. and it's because you can relate to the way that they think, and you guys think all together, or you just think they're better developers. They're just, um, they tend to be, it's not that they're better developers. Business developers are very talented too, but they tend to be um, doing things the way they're done instead of, well, this sounds impossible. And then like if I, if, if I, the amount of data that we have is so ridiculous that it sounds impossible to do things in 3D uh -huh. using that data. That just sounds impossible. Um, you see that a lot, like, um, you, you know, business interfaces, you, you tell it to go and then nothing happens. You're like, I, you know, when you're running your Google ads or something like that, yeah. you're waiting to see, I want to pull levers and steer my Google ads in real time, but you can't. Yeah. Even today, you still can't. Uh -huh. um, and so that idea of it being almost gamified and, and, and games have a very simple um, rule base to them, which is there's only three things you need to make a game. One is skill, risk, and strategy. Those three components are what actually makes a video game work. And, and so you say to yourself, well, hold on, would that work in a business application? Um, you know, uh, so what does it mean? Skill means as I use it, I get better at it. Well, that's possible with a business application. Risk means, you know, what, should I try this or should I try that? And if I take a bigger risk, will I get a bigger reward? Like if I, uh, on let's uh, just using uh, Google um, ads as an example uh -huh. if I was to place a bigger bet here in this place or for that cohort I'd actually make more money that that's gamification as well and the third thing is strategy which is you know if it doesn't work do I have another idea or another strategy that I could try that's what makes games addictive because you can keep trying new things you know you tried you're going through some warehouse and you get killed. Well, I'll try going outside the warehouse and you keep coming up with other ways to play the level until you finally beat it. That's that's what makes games so addictive. If you were unable to come up with other ideas, it wouldn't be fun. Yeah, It is stunning how much business software is like that. You don't feel like you have any control over it. Um, you, don't, you, you don't really get to... Um, manipulate it and it has to happen in real time or else you'll, you'll have left already uh -huh. so you're not really part of it so I see more of that happening in the future is this idea of of real-time interactions and, and making it feel like you're actually in control of what the business is doing okay and I think that 
that's really fun. Okay, so so you can't. So it sounds like you started the the MVP with how big was your team, and they were all gaming developers. Uh, we started off with just a few, like um, uh, you know, just maybe three, four developers, and they were. And we actually had one idea at the start, which we tested. Um, we assumed that if you want to work with influencers, the best thing we would do is to build some kind of technology for influencers. Mm -hmm. And so we built that, um, which was, we realized that you only get one link in Instagram. And what we wanted to do was from that one link, put the whole world of the influencer and sort of connect everything they're doing into one place. And we called it curated by, and we built this whole system. Um, but what we realized is that's, that's cool, very exciting, but it's not a multi-billion dollar company, yeah. right? That's a, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a cool trick, but it's not, yeah. it's not a huge company. Right, right. And so we went down that road and we built that. Um, and we were like, hmm, we're coming about this the wrong way. Let's not go, when, when, let's not build when, the software. When did you realize, what made you realize, like how far along uh, were you before uh, you realized well, we, it? We ran tests to see um, you know, how it would work. And we had influencers building um, their actual curated by pages. Yeah. And then we started to realize, well, you know, we're asking them to do work. And when you're asking an influencer to do work, you got to remember they're currently jumping off a cliff in Hawaii. Yeah. They're not really interested in sitting there uploading JPEG images yeah. to some yeah. interface. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense, um, you know, when you really think it through. And that's why it's funny because since then there's been other services created like LinkedIn bio and things like that, which are very basic fundamental just putting your links yeah. and that's and so that was the obvious path that it would have worked is don't ask them to do any work just just throw their links into a list um, but that's not going to be um, the, the path that we really want to go down so that's why we, we we switched and focused entirely on the brands like let's build this tech for the brands and then they attract the uh, influencers in okay so then you pivoted away from that but that was the the mvp in the beginning was this this ag this ag marketplace or whatever this place to um, aggregate all their different brands that they were working for. You pivoted to the brands. What was the problem that you're solving for the brands? Like, why would they go to you? Well, the brands um, um, all have an inert interest in in, uh, in influencers. They understand that they have okay, a lot of. So you had these um, you had this platform of if influencers already because you were trying to create this. Um, at this point, it sounds like you weren't making money, though. Is that right? You were just oh no, we didn't charge at all. Okay. I, in fact, honestly, I if I had my way, we still wouldn't charge anything today. Um, I'm a big fan. If you're building a network, you want to take as much friction out of the network as you possibly can. Uh -huh. The problem is when you have investors. At some point, they're like, "So, are people willing to pay for this?" Yeah, and then yeah, you have exactly. to actually start charging. Yeah. Um, so we are, we have uh, started charging and yes, people are willing to pay for it. But um, in reality, I would say when you're building a business, this was actually advice that Intel gave me years ago was um, the minute you start charging, we can value your company. So your company's worth X until you start making money and then we'll actually come up with a, with a hard number for its real value. And so that was a kind of an interesting take on it, um, you know, because if you're building something um, new and that that's kind of the, the the sort of the system that I think is interesting is if you're trying to come up with an idea for a company um, like in the game industry 
Uh, imagine the whole game industry is on a train mm. and we're going down a train track mm -hmm. and everyone's on the train. Some people miss the train and they're, 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 they're hoping to get in the game industry and they're chasing after the train. Yeah. And, uh, and so then the question is, is where's the train going and how far can you go down the track? Like if you say, well, I think the next thing is X, then you say, well, what's after that? And, uh, and you keep doing that. And I think that's a really fun brainstorming session for just about anything. Um, you know, you can start, usually things get easier, faster, better, um, cheaper. Um, there's just constant um, ways to improve things. And so, you know, coming into this space, I mean, who are we? We're not from, even from e-commerce. We're not from social media marketing at all. But we're just trying to think of, is, is there some way we can make this easier for everybody? Because what I see is people you know, going on Instagram, troubling influencers, trying to get them to sign contracts, which they hate. Yeah. Um, they get them to sell things that they don't want to sell. The influencer actually deletes the post yeah. um, after the contract expires because they don't want this thing in their in their feed. And that is that a great relationship? So I'm watching from the outside going, does this make sense to anybody? Yeah. Um, I don't like this. So is it, maybe we can find a better way. Okay, so um, when did... Uh... When did you guys realize that this that this was starting to work, like going after the products and and like I'm, I'm just trying to sort of I see what the product is now, but I want to kind of get a path of the evolution of the product. Um, yeah, well, once you launch something that's um, that's that catches, um, you see, you know, your lines just start going vertical, and that's what happened. We the brand started installing like crazy, um, and that, you know, we have over a million products in the network now, and we have a huge amount of traffic. And so from that point, we've just been thinking about what other features yeah. would be most applicable to the brands. Um, you know, what would what would be most useful um, to you as a brand? Is it and, only and in Shopify that you are? You are, must be outside of Shopify. See, see that's, a, that's a great question right there. Um, of course, we can't just remain in Shopify. We have to, at some point, add the other like platforms too. Like get into Amazon too. or something. Well, well, brands need to be able to collaborate from one network to another. Amazon's a little different because Amazon is actually their intent is to own all of the sales themselves. That's their. I believe that's their long-term plan. Yeah. Um, which is a great plan. It's like Costco, right? Where Costco has. Um, um, they have this thing where they, they have a brand called Kirkland and they keep making their own products. Yeah. In, in Amazon, they keep making private labels. Uh, and it's, instead of making one private label, they have lots of them. And I used, to, um, I used to have a fun slide in my deck, which I thought was interesting. I found that, you know, when you, if you wanted to put the letter A into a, a piece of leather, you'd buy a, a little letter A brass stamp and you would hit it with a hammer or press it uh -huh. and it would actually leave the letter A in the leather it turns out that amazon is making their own leather stamps at this point and and i the, the reason that that's really crazy is because whatever category you're in how safe do you feel in your category knowing they're already making leather stamps yeah right yeah. it's it, you know you're in white socks and they're in leather stamps they're coming after your white socks yeah and at some point when amazon makes the, the product um, what they're doing is they're they're going direct to, to the the manufacturers in China, um, so they're cutting out the middlemen yeah. who, are, who are you know handling all the importing and everything. And they they just, just go lower direct the prices. Yeah, 
and they, they destroy you on pricing yeah. and um, and they make high quality products so they're, they're making the same products in certain cases uh, and they can make um, them better so, and for cheaper so yeah, yeah so that I mean in, in a way Google's kind of doing that as well right they see like oh well, we need to get into the um, travel industry you know so we can offer uh, and they see what's yep. working um, on their network and then they just come in and cannibalize it because they see oh all this traffic is going to kayak whatever we'll just make it uh, a, a better kayak and cut out well, you know what they do the, the smart ones they read the reviews and then they they fix their reviews yeah. so they they see what what people are complaining about and fix that and and boom you've got yourself an incredible uh opportunity so here's the problem you're a brand on amazon today uh-huh. you're selling your white socks suddenly amazon takes you out your sales drop um but you don't own any customers like you never built a customer database. Yeah. Those are all Amazon customers. Uh-huh. So it's it's a little different. I, I think what, what is interesting about the platforms like Shopify and Big Commerce, WooCommerce, uh, Magento, all those kind of platforms, um, the entrepreneurs are having to build their own audiences and build real brands themselves out on the cold internet. Yeah. And um, And that I think is, those brands are worth a lot of money because they are, there to stay they're 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 being built and they've survived and they've grown maybe they grew through covid and that's been a test of the entrepreneurs if they could handle it mm-hmm. and so those ones that survived those are legitimate cool companies that um so so i don't know if you've been watching but there are companies now um that that are raising enormous billions of dollars and they're buying up brands um mm-hmm. and they've been buying them initially from amazon which didn't make sense to me because they don't own the customer you know yeah there's no customers like here it feels good looks good on paper but i don't know if that's a great strategy uh-huh. i'm now seeing them pivot across to buying brands um, the brands with customers brands that own their customers and, uh, and then shopify and um these other platforms these are the platforms that you're saying that you work with so you're yeah. sort of platform agnostic now you started on shopify and you were in their yeah. marketplace um and, and so now you're platform agnostic, and you sh- and you share. We're not we're not there yet. We're about to start. That that's coming. So okay. that's uh, but that's an expansion. We have to prove your idea first. Like, do people want this? Or yeah. do, are people going to actually do deals with each other? Uh-huh. And um, and then you start expanding. Okay. So when I come into into your platform, though, is it through? It's like is it through shopify like so i add it through into into my shopify so i've got a shopify site get caro get, caro is is in is like a plug-in that comes in and it has a dashboard and then all this data comes in and says hey you've got these influencers that happen to be using your product these are the people that you should reach out to is that essentially what we're talking about? Yeah, we're we're a little luckier than, than most because you you go to getcaro.com you install the Caro app into your Shopify store. Yeah. Shopify has given us a very special status on their platform. Uh-huh. Um, they call us a sales channel. They don't call us an app. Okay. And so it means that that when you look at the interface of Shopify, we're actually you'll you know you'll we're actually built into the interface itself. Okay. So we're not over in the in the app area. Ah, okay. We're actually. We're actually like you'll see the Caro logo right there on your interface, okay. and you can just click how, it. How did you and get so, there? I mean, did you start as an app? 
and then you moved to... Uh, we started as an app, and then they they, okay. um, they upgraded us. There's only 12 companies in the world that have that status. Well, walk me through that. That sounds like a pretty significant uh, move, move forward for you. How did you do that? Well, that's, that's, you see, now you're getting into that question again about um, your engineers. So if you, it's very easy to just accept, like, well, we'll never get that. That's too hard. Instead, you say, what do we need to do to get that done? And they, they'll lay out a whole, a whole list of problems. Um, Who will? The uh, business, again, you're talking about the business engineers. Will. Like, like Shopify will say, here's a whole list of things you would have to do to be able to achieve you, that. Did, did you and, know that you saw, it's like, well, how do I get here? I, I, I'm, I'm in the yeah, app store. And yeah. says, how, well, who are these that, guys? We, like, how do I get in there? Yeah. How do we get into that sort of behind that velvet rope? Yeah. And, the, an the answer is you have to do all this extra work and prove things to us and all the rest of it. And so much like I was talking earlier about hurdle pointing, here's a whole bunch of hurdles and that's why you're not going to get in there. Yeah. So my guys kick all the hurdles out of the way and then Shopify's like, well, actually you do qualify, so you're in. And we did the same thing with Facebook. So with Facebook, the way it works is you're given credentials to work on their platform. Uh -huh. And the credentials are incredibly limited because... They're not just going to let anybody do anything on on, on Facebook. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So um, you have to earn your way up the stack, and that's exactly what we did with Facebook as well. Is we just you know went level after level after level. So, um, but how, okay. Stack. So where do you find all these? You like get on a call with like the sales guys and say like, okay, what do I need to do to get around? I mean, how yeah. do you how do you how do you break yeah, you down get this on the, problem? You, you 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 basically reach out to. Facebook and say, you know, I'd like to do this. And they say, well, there's a problem. You need this, 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 you have to do this, or there's some kind of criteria. That, and that's why you're not able to have access to this next feature. And so then you, you sort of solve all those problems. And then they say, hmm, you do qualify. So we're going to give you that, but there's another 10 levels above that. And so you just work your way up the stack and the value of having the, you know, um, of having those credentials uh -huh. in these platforms is really, really high. Yeah. And so that that's all work we did right out of the gate. So, so straight away. When you first did it with Shopify, like how long did it take? I, I want to go through this process. So, so about you, you, six months. Six months. It was about okay. six months. Okay. Of, of how many people were working on, on this problem? Was it your whole dev Probably team? About, um, about four or five people. Four or five people dedicated were, to that. were dedicated to that. Um, at this point, were you making money, or is it just you were just uh, just it was? Nope, we're, we weren't charging at the time, okay. so we were just. So you're um, not profitable. It's just huge burn rate. Um, what was sustaining the company? Were you having to go back well, for, for raising money? It, it, raising money is actually quite easy if you're doing something innovative. Yeah. Um, it's very hard if you're not doing something innovative. Uh -huh. If you're, if they're like, yeah, but fifty other people are doing that, then it's very hard to raise money. Yeah. If you're doing something where people go, why doesn't this exist? Why hasn't someone already solved this? Yeah. This is awesome. Then investors, PayPal invested in our company. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. Right. So the fact that we have PayPal in our corner is is is. And you have Intel. Do you have Intel as well? Or you were saying that was for the other company? Interestingly, no. I haven't even reached out to Intel. Um, I I probably should just for the heck of it, but um, I I didn't reach out to them. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, they were, they're incredibly interested in video games like that, that I, I have this sort of funny situation where we would have these Intel executives show up at our offices and give us the latest computer chips. Yeah. 
Um, but they, um, what was funny is that if you think about software in general, it doesn't really ever push their chips to the limit. I mean, maybe machine learning does now, but yeah. in, back then, you know, Microsoft Word or something or PowerPoint, it's like type faster, please yeah, type faster. Yeah, I can yeah. handle, you know, you can type 100,000 times faster. Uh -huh. um, whereas video games, they would give us the new tips and we'd push them to the limit that day. Yeah. And we could never have, I once gave a, a lecture and Intel actually gave me a piece of future hardware. So something that, that wasn't available, they, they literally Intel people showed up uh -huh. with a black box and put it under the desk, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I did a demo off this future hardware, but even the future hardware, we can push to the limit right away. Yeah. And that, that's a fun thing about the game industry yeah. is it's an insatiable desire, desire for power. That's uh -huh. funny. So, um, would you say what would you say was there a time when you looked when you look back uh, this is okay there was this one thing that we did that really sort of broke through um, for us it, it sounds to me like maybe when you got at, in as a sales platform at at Salesforce as a sales channel at Salesforce or what would you say there was like a moment in in the you know the sort of um, the life of this um of carl was there like a moment that you remember it's like okay this this is it this is where we need to go this is the direction that we need to go yeah there's um there's a concept when you're building software um of product market fit yeah and um it's a whole thing there's probably yeah, books that's now exactly product what market I'm, fit. yeah asking wh when did yeah, you feel and, like you had product and, market fit and and, and like yeah, what were you think... actually doing What's interesting is we're ending up hitting product market fit multiple times because the platform is multiple different solutions all together, but each solution causes its own blip in, um, like, so when the influencer piece works, suddenly the whole thing takes off. Yeah. That's product market fit for that piece. Then you build the next piece, getting them to cross sell each other's products. Yeah. And then we had this explosion of requests coming in from brands um so many so it actually became a problem because um wait so you, you had have brands wanting for to... new features or what were the requests no no brands requesting to work with other brands oh, like okay. i want to sell their products okay. like i i want to sell their helmets and things like that okay. but there were so many requests that it actually it, it created a really interesting problem that dating apps have the same problem. So when you have a dating app, whoever's most attractive is gonna get hammered with yeah, requests. Yeah, yeah. And that okay. actually becomes a problem yeah. because at some point it'll annoy them and they may leave. Yeah. Um, and so we were having the same thing like a dating app. We were getting hammered by requests, but the people who got hammered the most were the ones, the ones that, that had the, the biggest, great product. best known yeah, brands. Yeah. yeah, so we had to add a whole verification system, which we call, um, you know the way Instagram has a blue check mark yeah. for if you're verified uh -huh. or not. Um, we did the same thing for our platform. So we created this sort of way to group the people that needed some protection from the insanity of, of all the requests pouring in. Yeah. And, um, and that's, it's basically, it's interesting because you're having to solve problems that haven't really been solved yet in this way. Yeah. And, and that's, honestly, that actually makes building something fun. Yeah. We're constantly in meetings going, hmm, how do you solve, you know, how are we going to solve that? Because that hasn't been solved yet. Yeah. Um, and that means you're, if you're ever having that conversation, that means you're in the right place. Yeah. 
So I would argue that um, product market fit is found when customers will pay almost anything to have that problem solved. But it sounds like you weren't charging um, for this. Uh, yeah, no, they, they do pay and, and um, they pay now. We, we have uh, different pricing tiers. Okay. And um, the thing is that we, I think if anything, we made a mistake there because we've, we've really been testing the pricing, but we, we've created um, only three tiers of pricing. Uh -huh. And coming from the game industry, we learned that that's not the best way to go about it. The best way to charge somebody is to let them pay what they can afford. So I call it the money wall problem. In games, we had um, a $60 money wall that if you can't climb over that wall, you can't play our game. That's a stupid idea, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't we make it so that, so that peop everyone can play, so it's free to play, everybody can play. Yeah. But in the game, there's all these things that you can do, and those things um, cost money, but if you, can, if you could afford $10,000, you can spend $10,000 in the game. If you can only spend seven dollars, you can spend seven dollars in the game. Okay, that's these perfectly are, these okay. These are these cash things that you. I don't play games, so I I don't really know. But I hear generally from about this, like somebody will go in and they buy like uh, some a sword or whatever, and and it's what they can afford, and that's essentially the concept that you're talking about for for game pricing. Is that correct? And yeah, the way I explain it is, you're walking, or you can buy a horse. Right. Yeah. Which would you prefer to do? You want to keep walking? No problem. Yeah. Um, but if you if you can ride a horse, then that would be a way better, yeah. right? And that's just a very a simplistic way to look at it. But what people actually do is um, the number one thing. This is like an interesting business thing. Is out of you know billions and billions and billions of dollars of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, what the number one thing in every game is what saves the most time. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that people will pay for is time. Um, if you can say, uh, I'll give you an example, is if you play the game, you'll get stronger over time. Uh -huh. If you pay us money, you get you'll get stronger twice as twice fast. As, okay, yeah. And, and people go, what? And then boom, <laughs> so they'll start paying. Now, the, the people that can afford that will pay that. The people who can't afford that don't pay yeah. it. And they just take longer. Uh -huh. and, and so this is... This is this concept of, uh, of, I mean, if you think about everything in life, um, cars, do we all drive the exact same car? Uh -huh. No, people buy the car they can afford. Yeah. When they buy golf clubs, they buy the golf club they can afford, the tennis racket, whatever yeah. it is. Everyone spends what they feel comfortable spending. Mm -hmm. And that needs, that, the game industry finally worked that out. Yeah. And, and it fundamentally changed the amount of did revenue. You, so that did the you apply that to your pricing? No, no, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. I think if anything, we're, we're, we're still, it's funny because I was working on it last night. I'm sort of head slapping a little going, why have we done it the way? It sounds like you need to way. do that. You've got all this great gaming yeah. experience. You can solve this well, problem, let, right? I'll give an example. Is we have three price points right now, yeah. um, $50 a month, $250 a month, and $1,000 a month. Then I spoke to the CEO of a, a company that's made $100 million selling teeth whitening. Yeah. And I said to the CEO, it's 25000 a month because we're going to add this extra tier. Yeah. And it's invite only. And would you like to, to be in that tier? And he, and he, of course, said yes and decided to start paying 25000 a month. The minute he clicked the button to commit to paying, um, my team sort of all stopped and went, wait, what? Yeah. Um, you know, people are willing to pay 25000 <laughs> a month? I mean, why are we asking a 1000 yeah. as our limit? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, in a way, it sort of proved it. So... 
Um, just to remove the question, I had a second call with a different CEO, uh -huh. and we said it's fifteen thousand a month, and he he clicked the button to approve fifteen thousand a month. Yeah. So it sort of went well, you know. You know, this is the real world, and it's just funny how how many billing cards have you seen where there's three choices? Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's yeah, it's just it's not the best way to go about billing. Yeah. So you know, we made the mistake. Um, but it, I don't really feel it's it's that critical. It's just what about a transaction? You know, like a transaction that, that, that is rather where make our pricing it, will end up. If you made it sort of, there was still that pricing, but then you took a transaction on each product that you promoted in your platform. That would be a way to do it. So that that customer that was selling we are thirty thousand, you are doing that now. Yeah, because this is the secret of Shopify. So Shopify yeah. started by charging a subscription and a few percent on, on each item sold. Yeah. And okay. if you think about the way math works, as the network scales, the couple of percent becomes way more valuable than the subscription. That's right. Right. But initially, it's no big deal to the brands uh -huh. because you're creating a whole new revenue stream for them. In our case, we're, 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 we're bringing money from heaven yeah. that didn't exist. They just didn't have it before. They turned this on and now they suddenly have a new revenue stream. Well, if they're willing to pay, um, you know, a few percent for that, then, then that's, that's something that we added and, and we haven't had any pushback on that at all. Uh, so, yeah. but what that does is that sets us up perfectly. So as the thing scales, um, the subscriptions slowly will start to mean less and less and less. Great. David, I want to make sure that you get off to your next appointment. So I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, we'll obviously have getcaro.com in the show notes, but how can people reach out to you if they're interested in learning, uh, speaking with you? The best thing, if you have a Shopify store, um, go to getcaro.com, install the, um, the, the Shopify app, and then email us at hello at getcaro.com. If you email hello at getcaro.com, tell them about this podcast, tell them you listen to it, and they will give you extra special attention and treatment within our company excellent so i like that. make sure to mention, so mention the big break software podcast when you when yes. you write hello at getcaro.com thank you so much for your time today david well thanks so much for inviting me have a great day yeah been a pleasure bye-bye thanks for listening to the big break software podcast with your host jordy wardman be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <music>